Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. How we doing, mate? I'm very well, Pete. Good. Yeah. Have you, have you, here's trivia number one then, Dan, before <laughs> we introduce you to everyone. Have you listened to one of my podcasts before? I have. Oh, I have, yeah. I have, yes. I have, mate. I have. Of course I have. One download. Boom. He's lying. He's fucking I'm lying. I'm a subscriber. It's I better. Think. It's better. It's better than James's and Collins, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hate that. Yeah. I've only wanted uh, you. I'll, I'll put say, you on the spot they, there. They, they asked me the same question, mate. I'll, say, <laughs> I'll tell them they're the best. Although I've not been on, on theirs. So. No, to be fair, exactly. This so you invited you invited on mine first. So that's all that matters, right? That's it, mate. We're they're best, get, best they, mates now. They're going to have to get their own back. They're going to have to get their own back on me now. Invite you on and say that theirs is better. <laughs> so, mate, tell me. So, well, tell me. Tell, tell the listeners, uh, Dan, a bit about who you are mate um, obviously I've referred to you as Daniel Dan Griffiths I know you as Dan anyway I've never actually asked if it's okay to call you Dan rather than Daniel I am referred to as Dan yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sweet okay cool so uh, Dan quick intro for the listeners that I, that I know of Dan I know Dan because he works with us on our ISO consul- consultancy work with uh, our clients and does some health and safety consultancy work as well and the clients that I put Dan into absolutely fucking love him. Um, he's helped uh, at least two or three of our clients, I think, already. Um, and we're on the hunt for more who wanna who are interested in ISO. So we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about that a bit today and just getting people to understand the new focus for this series of the podcast is around the safer, greener, greater concept, which really nicely aligns with ISO particularly 9001, 14001 and 45001. So, um, but Dan, we were introduced, I think originally by Colin actually from um, the interesting or not so interesting health and safety podcast. (laughs) I shouldn't say that, should I? (laughs) He's going to absolutely kill me. He'd have to listen to find out, to be fair. Um, But yeah, uh, we're first introduced by Colin and uh, we've not looked back since, mate. So yeah, if you can just give the listeners a bit of background because you were like, Served in the military originally, didn't you mean? Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So, quick quick intro from myself. So, I'm just um, going to turn the aircon up, mate, because I'm getting hot. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, mate. Go on. Yeah, quick intro from myself. So, um, I run a company called Principal Compliance, which is a health and safety and environment and quality consultancy, okay, specialising in working with construction companies and construction-related um, fields, okay? Pretty much what we do is CDM, general health and safety, and and ISO standards, okay, for which we're gonna talk about today. Um, prior to my health and safety um, career, I was in the military for eight years as a Royal Engineer, so. Nice. Yep, so, yep, left school, joined the military. Yep. And uh, and the rest is history. So do you um, do you so tell 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 me a bit about that then. So how was that? How was your eight years doing that? And do you think it's helped set you up for what you do now? Because I see, I see a few um, ex-military people. Um, I don't know what the right terminology is. Haven't been a civvy all my life. Stupid civvy. <laughs> 
Uh, what's the right terminology? Do I say? Do I say, should I say veterans? Are you allowed to be? Are you a veteran? I, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Ex-military. Right. Ex-military veteran. Right. Okay. So, I see a few of them saying that it's sort of helped help serve their careers now. Has that has it helped? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's um, there's a there's a bit of a saying where they 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 think there's more guys out in health and safety than there is actually in the Royal Engineers. Um, it's kind of just a, a natural progression, you know. I, I think a lot of infantry guys tend to go into um, close protection and, and security. Engineers tend to, you know, we've got a bit more brain, so we're going to sort of. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fine and, uh, fucking talk, that does. And auditing and stuff, yeah, it is, it is fine talk. <laughs> we won't even start on like one any of the other services, yeah? <laughs> no, exactly that, exactly. But yeah, there's, you know, it's a natural progression. Um, and they really promote it through um, the resettlement package that you get. So you get 12 months resettlement and you can sort of get into that and, mm-hmm. and various other things around sort of safety, quality and risk management mm-hmm. of some sort. How did you find that sort of transition? So did you go did you go straight into the military from school? Is that sort of what you did? Or did you do uh, A-levels and stuff? Or So I went to college and I was a carpenter joiner. Um, okay. Yeah, worked for a um, shop fitting company uh, but my intention was to join the military all along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just wanted to go to college. I was kind of pushed into going to college for a bit first and, mm-hmm. and get a job. And, and I really, really appreciate my mum for making me do that because it mm-hmm. really helped me transition back into civil life because mm-hmm. obviously you have had a job interview and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, if you join at 16 or 17, mm-hmm. you haven't done that. So it's a little bit more scary. But um, yeah, and you know... B- Transitioning out of the military was just, you know, seamless, you know. But I think I think you've got to be self-motivated because if you're not, you know, they're not going to sort of set you up for life. They're yeah. just going to put things on your path and you've got to choose your own journey. So. You've got to grasp grasp the nettle and uh, take the opportunity. Exactly yeah? that, exactly. Nice, mate, nice. And how was how was that sort of, uh, like, transition out, like, for you from... You know, did you did you sort of settle in? I've had a bit of experience when I used to work when I used to work for Volvo back in the day. We used to have a lot of um, ex engineers type type stuff who'd have been working on goods vehicles, for example, or some of the heavy heavy equipment at, within the army, and they'd come and sort of apply for work with us and that. To be honest, I had a bit of experience of them struggling a little bit on the sort of transition over. Was that how was that? Mine was all right, but yeah, I mean. A lot of the guys and girls, they do struggle. Yeah. I think I was, um, I think it all just comes to being self-motivated and, you know, just what I was saying earlier about um, I had a job before I joined the army and I knew what it was like mm. going mm. to get a job and stuff like that. And as long as you, you get um, a decent job, it keeps you busy, you want to progress through that and stuff like that, mm. you know, you, your brain's, you know, focused on that. It's when I think when people lose lose purpose and they lose sight of what they do and mm-hmm. they end up in a mundane job mm-hmm. um, when problems can sort of arise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they do. They, they It's happened with my friends, a lot of my friends actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, mine was fine. Mine yeah, was really sweet. Good. No, sweet, man. Sweet. So, uh, you've been... How long have you been out now? How long have you been out? You're eight years in. I'm I just trying to eight, age you now. I reckon eight years out. Yeah, yeah, eight years out now. So I reckon you are, I reckon you're the same age as me. So I'm 36. No, I'm young, no. You're younger than that. It's, it's the army age, isn't it? I okay, look, so I look you're 18. That. I'm putting you as... I'm 33. 
You're 35. Oh, yeah, no, because it's 16. My maths is awful, isn't it? You went in at 18, done eight years, 26. Yeah, yeah and then you're out now, so 33. Yeah, younger than me. Fair play, mate. No, good for you, man. Okay, cool. So you're looking good on it, mate. Anyway, I was thinking, I was thinking you may be older than you look then for a minute, but obviously <laughs> not. Obviously not, guys. I know you can't see him on the video, but Dan is the cutting edge of handsome. He looks like late twenties, most not even early thirties. <laughs> I'm not even hitting on him either because he's actually. So you've been doing a bit of work with one of our clients today, and uh, just for the listeners, bit bit of fun here. So we're at at flagship HQ having an interview I thought I'd save him from the hotel he's managed to book in in Peterborough which is on Lincoln Road which is like literally like you know prostitute central so <laughs> <laughs> I think he's absolutely stitched himself there I don't know where you got where you're eating tonight are you planning to eat <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to venture out now you said that I wouldn't mate. I was just what I was going to do I, I was just going to stand on the road and just you know wave wave some down and, and ask you know, what's the best place to eat, you know, and uh, see where that's it goes. Definitely, but, you definitely know, what you should I'm, do. I'm probably not going to do that. I'm probably, to be fair, there's a Turkish restaurant on the site nice. next door. Is there? It's, it's probably part of it and uh, and it looks appetising. Nice. And uh, they bring you breakfast in bed and everything. Really? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic, mate. That is, that is spot on, mate. Turkish, Turkish breakfast in bed. I know, yeah. What's that about? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. Um, just make sure tomorrow that you've got maybe something to clog you back up again if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Turkish restaurant on Lincoln Road. Now nah, I think you'll be fine, mate. I think you'll be fine. It'll be good as gold, mate. It'll be good as gold. Happy I probably days. shouldn't say these things. I'm going to end up getting my house shot down. Uh, no one knows where I live, so that's fine. And those people probably won't be listening to this podcast. So that's cool. All right, then. So we've chatted some shit for a bit. So that's cool. Let's have a bit of a chat about ISO standards, about health and safety. So what, what sort of come first for you then? So was it the health and safety and then you kind of had this demand from clients for for the ISO standards, which was something that you sort of then pushed into? or? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Um, so originally it was, you know, generalising in health and safety and, um, and CDM, so yeah. construction design and management. Um, and yeah, like it was just a a customer requirement, you know. Um, uh, I I did it when I was a full time employee before I run a consultancy. I did it for for a company I worked for. Um, so I actually like I knew how to do it, mm-hmm. um, but that's not what I set out to do in the consultancy. And then you know one day your client asks, you know, this is what we want to do, and then it snowballs from there. And then you know I actually really like doing it um, mm-hmm. and I can see the benefits that it gives to companies mm-hmm. and it opens doors for them and mm-hmm. uh, yeah so it's that's kind of the sort of the the progression that that happened sweet so with with the realignment of the podcast so we've been doing a lot give you a bit of background because I know you're an avid listener right <laughs> uh, we've been doing a lot around like transport and that kind of stuff so the listeners are still be largely from the transport background but what what we're looking to do is refocus the podcast towards like the flagship partners overall focus which is around uh, make you fine just have a drink you're all good mate I keep he, I'm Dan, like... Dan keeps going for his water and then like I ask him a question it's almost like I'm literally stitching him up he's just like wanting to have a drink and then I just keep I'm trying to do it quietly as well yeah no it's fine mate don't worry about that we like to keep it raw around here it's fine it's uh it's just the worst ones like i've had people on and like clicking pens and stuff and i'm like breathing's the worst yeah 
I was going to say, I'm glad I quit smoking because podcasts, it's one of them, isn't it? Like, so yeah, I've got to try and keep the breathing out. But hopefully Harry does a good job on editing it. Anyway, anyway, I keep getting digressed. I'll keep digressing. Um, so ISO standards, which is sort of what I'm keen to talk about. Because we focus on 9001, which is the quality, 14001, which is the environment, and then the 45001, which is the health and safety standards. So they really nicely align with this vision of flagship who, who you know, we look to make our clients safer, greener and greater. So what I'd like to do initially during this podcast is just to sort of first look at, so what are the ISO standards and what benefits do, do clients get from having it? And then, and then I just want to have a look at sort of the different, you know, what impact does it have on the business um, and how, you know, businesses who properly embrace it, what sort of benefits are they seeing from it? And then just have a look around so how, how does the ISO make operators, make customers, make clients and businesses safer? How does it make them greener? And then how's it improving them overall? Because I think it's, you know, that's sort of what, what, what it's aiming to do. So just for in layman's terms, what, what are the ISO standards in sort yeah. of Dan, Dan's words, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think layman's terms is really important with ISO because one of the biggest problems is this ISO talk and translating it from you know this this and uh, you know i don't know if anyone of your uh, listeners has, has actually read a standard or whatever but you know, you know i don't think they've got far enough through it without falling asleep exactly <laughs> that yeah and it's put in some re- really generic terms so in layman's terms iso standards are the international um organization of standardization okay and it is a bit back to front okay so that's ios and yeah. not iso but that's it. there's a language element there um, and a translation element, but it is International Organisation for Standardisation. And in real layman's terms, all it is, is a committee of specialists and experts and thinkers get together and they create these standards, okay? A standardised way of doing one thing, okay? And what we'll talk about today is, is quality, um, environmental and and health and safety. Okay, there are hundreds and hundreds of standards. Yeah, I was going to say, do you do any others? Do you do any others? Or are um, those the, sort of the main three? Yeah, so um, I do a bit of um, helping construction firms and other firms um, become carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another ISO standard. And then um, uh, there is a, there's a new ISO standard coming out for the construction, for the built environment and construction sector. Right, so 99,001, so that's coming out, it's currently drafted, being drafted at the moment in its final stages. Um, so we'll be looking at, you know, driving that forward for um, construction firms because it is very specific and we will touch on some of the problems with 9,001 and the others about how generic they are. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, real layman's terms, the ISO standards are just a best practice way of managing quality and managing safety and managing environmental in your business um that's probably the best way of just putting it because that's all you really need to know it isn't the be- it isn't the best way it isn't the ultimate way it is a standardized way of doing something mm-hmm. that that experts have have come to the conclusion is a good way of doing it okay and and, and you know it's a baseline it's a baseline to start off with once you implement it it can grow and you can do whatever you want with it okay cool and i think okay so i guess the next question is like that's what they are so why do we get clients inquire about getting them 
What what do you think the reason yeah. is behind that? So so the main reason really is. I, th- I think it's it, it's generally a contractual obligation, a compliance obligation. So it could be the company is tendering mm-hmm. to get on a contract. Um, it could be uh, they, they're branching into a new market and they're kind of preempting that they're going to have to have a, a quality management system. So it's so most of the time it's an, they've got an obligation to hold it. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever standard, most of the time it's 9,001 and 14,001. I haven't seen many contracts specifying having 45,001, which is the health and safety one. It is newer. Um, it is because uh, it was eighteen thousand. It was eighteen thousand and one, um, and it changed in two thousand eighteen. Um, so there's says so there's that there's a contractual obligation. There's also um, a if the business is at a point where potentially it might um, the directors want to sell the business and they want to exit, they want to formalize how they do everything. Okay, because no one's going to buy a business where everything's in everyone's heads. Okay, so they really want to sort of um, structure the business, put in some some good, uh, you know, best practice ways of doing stuff. You mm-hmm. know, operationalizing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the second reason, and the third reason is um, they've heard of ISO nine thousand and one, and and they heard that they've heard that it's a quality management system or a safety management system. And they, they just want to do it, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't come across many people that just want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more or less a, com- a compliance obligation. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely seen I've definitely seen sort of two reasons. I know Flagship, for example, you, you helped us get our 9001 quality management standard, uh, which was a requirement for us to become earned recognition auditors for, uh, for the DVSA. That was part of their requirement to demonstrate that we've got that quality management uh, system in place. But actually, do you know what? I felt a really proud moment when that happened. Yeah. That you know, my little business, four years old. You know, we we'd sort of reached this uh, international standard um, of quality, um, and I think I think that means something. You know, yeah. it feels like it means something. Um, I think there. You know, we've spoken about it before. There's you know, there's companies that will just do this stuff as a tick box exercise to achieve, you know, uh, a contract, for example. But actually, I think embracing the process into the business leads on to that second element which is around driving value so um, one of our one of our clients who we've both worked with um, and uh, it's fantastic fantastic company fantastic business they work in sort of uh, office sort of refits and that kind of stuff don't know the fantastic guys and um, you know I know that they were approaching it from the point of view of the business is worth a certain value, right? So when you value businesses and you look at you look at how you value that, if you were to sell it or if you were to raise finance or whatever it is you want to do to, to grow or, or to, to move on, essentially that business, depending on the quality of the systems and the processes and how easily it is to continue getting the results you're getting, people look at potentially multiples of profit or multiples of turnover or whatever it may be. Now, having those ISO standards locked down and embedded in the business will literally put that multiplier up so whatever your profit you're getting it without them it might be two times you know you might be in an industry where you're looking at two times uh, multiple of profit but having the iso standards in to go do you know what actually we're ticking all of these and actually we can win big contracts and things like that because we've got those standards 
the benefit to the business from a valuation point of view, I think, is really big. And exactly. I think, I, I think particularly transport operators listening, I think if you think about that as a valuation, as a tool for raising finance or as a tool for selling on, you know, I work with so many transport operators where things that are done around here are just, that's the way they're done around here and there's no documented process, there's no policy, there's no procedure, there's no, you know, no standardisation at all. Um, and then and then the other issue they've got, which again is like another knock-on benefit, is like if you've got these standards and you've got these ways of working, then, you know, it's so easy if people transition in and out of the business that actually there's like a, a, a sort of recognised way of doing things. Yeah. Whereas I find, I find particularly sort of small to medium sized businesses just will really suffer when they have the odd person who leaves the business. Yeah, big, yeah, big yeah. Problem that's for them. Exactly that. And I mean, a, a key part of it is managing risk and, and, and um, formalising that knowledge of what people have. Because like you say, you have those 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 um, you know the, the, the person in the business uh, he's got so much up in his head he's been there for ages that if he left you know you you know it's going to be bad uh, mm. you're not going to be able to replace him you're not even going to be able to train someone up to, no, to replace you, him you ain't got that you, knowledge you yeah. haven't got it yeah. and and part of implementing a quality management system is putting it on paper and mm. and really standardizing the way you do things in your business from you know, from a sales point of view, even handling inquiries, all the way through to delivering your service, whatever service you do, and then you know, looking after your customers after, mm. and I, everything in between. I think I think the other thing, like you say, is if it's embraced, it, it it makes businesses better. It does make them better, and I think it makes leaders better because it makes them stop and from a you know, there's certain requirements from a le- senior leadership point of view for senior leaders to sit down and go actually how are we rolling these standards out across the business and setting objectives and setting goals which often aren't formalised in the business setting you know particularly with you know privately owned businesses sometimes it's literally you know the the it's on a need to know basis right and the director shares with staff what they need to know but it's a it's a really nice way of sort of consolidating the team around a shared set of objectives and goals Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. Flagship Partners help their clients become safer, greener and greater through a range of consultancy and training services. We offer audits through to risk assessments, contracts through to support with managing your culture, all the way from mandatory training through to management training as well. So if you need any support, please do get in touch with Flagship Partners today. Would you agree with that? I do agree. Yeah. yeah, I think I think if you look at it, if you look take a step back, and I, and I know not a lot of people know what sort of nine thousand and one's about, but if you've got a big group of people coming together and creating a standard way to run in a business that can fit into small to medium size and and large businesses as well, you know, all sort all sorts of businesses, why wouldn't you do it? Mm-hmm. Why would you not want to put in, like you say, objectives, have a business plan? manage the risks in your business why would you not want to train your people why would you not want a customer focus and a quality policy or a safety policy you know you, you've got laws to comply with or you need to know the laws you know mm-hmm. um, you don't need to know absolutely everything and it doesn't have to be complex at all it can be really simple and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be pages and pages of documents and you know all these folders and stuff I like to keep a, you know be quite lean with the paperwork um, mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, at the end of the day, 
the standards all, no matter what standard it is, it all promotes continual improvement. Now, mm. if you're not in business to continually improve and grow, mm-hmm. why, why are you in business? Because yeah, yeah. you're not serving anyone. No, I totally agree, mate. And I think, um, you know, for listeners who are thinking about, you know, the old days where Dan, someone like Dan or I would come into your business and we'd create you leverage folder upon leverage <laughs> folder of documents which just sit on the foot court. You know, they sit on the shelf and get dusty and then you drag them out and, you know, sort of blow the dust off them literally on an annual basis just before audit. That isn't that isn't sort of what we're talking about. I think you know Dan's just alluded to it there about the the principle is actually to keep it as simple as possible and align it as much as possible with your business, isn't it? And and make it digital. Exactly that. Exactly, mm. mate. Yeah, it's um, it may seem complex, but to be to be honest, most businesses are doing you know three quarters of what's yeah. required anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's certainly not about a consultant walking in. You know, and uh, and and dishing out the paperwork. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, got you. Okay, so I guess like the next question, we've sort of made a nice clear sort of what and maybe why. So what is the ISO standards and, and and why would you have them? So I guess the next question is like how. So client rings you to you know client rings up today. They're inquiring and they wanna you know, find out more about the ISO standards or they want to know what's going to be involved or what's work works involved for them. How, how do they sort of find out a bit more about that? Or what would you, you know, what yeah. sort of stage, what sort of steps would you follow? I think, I think the first thing, and, and what I do with my clients as well, is have an open and honest conversation about what are you trying to achieve and why are you doing it? Um, because like we say, like we're going back to this paperwork thing, it's not about giving out the paperwork and you getting certified anymore. Okay, there's a lot more to it. Um, you, you know, the business owner and his, and his staff and managers are all going to have to be involved at certain points. Um, so it's all about having that, that conversation early on. What do you want to achieve? Um, what are you aiming for? and explaining to them that it's going to have to be maintained you know there is going to be time and effort from them no matter you know how much they want the consultant to do it mm-hmm. you know they they're going to have to do some at some point mm-hmm. um, so that's really step 1 having having that conversation um, explaining that you know it's going to take x amount of time um, to to sort of implement the system based on um, what they've got in place, okay. Um, we, we also explain sort of what's involved with maintenance as well, and we'll, we'll touch on what's actually involved in the quality management system, but there's an element of um, internal audits and, and management reviews, and then there's there's um, stage one audits, stage two audits from the uh, certification body. There's, you know, there's, there's all these different touch points that, that are within the cycle of certification. So once you're certified, it isn't. It doesn't just stop there. It continues. You've got surveillance audits for the next two years, mm-hmm. and then on the third year, you've got um, uh, recertification. Okay, and there's days where you're probably going to need support. Now, it's going to look different for every different business because of the size. You know, a smaller business is going to you know, probably need a consultant to help a little bit more. But, you know, the, the bigger the business, they may have a quality manager or, or, or a safety advisor 
um, internally so that so they can pick up a little bit of it and over time they're taking on more and more because they they're being trained by us to 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 implement and maintain the system mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's all about having that conversation to start with I mean there is there is a lot to it mm -hmm. um, but being upfront is probably the best way because the last thing the client wants is um, to think that it's a paperwork exercise and um, after he's been certified, that's it. He never has to think about it again, which is, you know, false. No, and, I've, and I, you know, it, you know, there are consultants out there that, that do sort of spin that story. Yeah, because okay. they just want to charge the project oh, cost and then yeah. leave them to it. Exactly. To, exactly. And, then, and then they can charge a project cost when they come back to them a year later going, oh, we haven't done any of it. Yeah. Exactly that, yeah. So yeah. it's all about just being upfront and honest, and uh, you know, that's and pick, it, picking the right consultant, guys. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> tell me a horror story. Tell me a horror story about oh. ISO uh, consultants. <sighs> I'm not sure what's worse. Like, there's you know, there's some consultants and there's auditors. Um, I've got horror stories of both. Right. Okay. But um, yeah, I mean the consultants. I mean. <laughs> They just, you know, you you hear stories when you when you're picking up a bad project. So so the client comes to you, they've been basically strung along for you know six months to twelve months, and you see what the consultants done, and and you know you know that they've been charging a you know extortionate day rate, uh, and you see what they've implemented and put in place, and you know they have literally copied a spreadsheet from their previous project and dumped it on that and it's taken five minutes and they've yeah. probably charged you know hundreds thousands probably mm -hmm. um, and you know that's not the worst bit the, the worst bit is how much time they waste mm -hmm. for directors you know directors are you know busy people you know mm -hmm. and um, and they're just wasting their time booking meetings with them you know pointless meetings to have chats and just wasting hours and hours and hours it happens all the time. Just pay, paying lip service to it oh, to show yeah. that, demonstrate that they're doing something and not yeah. really actually delivering any value. Yeah, exactly that. And then when when you see these systems, you you know, it's just terrible. It's yeah. just, and I really feel for because the the business owners and directors who have appointed the consultants, they don't know any better. No. They think they think that that is how it's done. Yeah. And they're, they're probably, I don't know what they're thinking, but, you know, I know they're not happy. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the challenge is, I think, I think the issue that uh, a director's going to have is that it probably takes about six months to realise that you've got a shit consultant, doesn't it? Yeah. And you're already potentially thousands of pounds in having had six months. And then you think, oh, do I cut my losses or not? And, and I think the issue you've got is that it's very, you, I think, I think the big warning I'd say is it's fine, you know, you listen to Dan and I talking about it and if you want to use us, that's fantastic. We'll welcome the business. But obviously you might want to choose to use someone else or someone that you know, but there, there is people out there who will literally, you know, they're going to charge a lot of money and potentially just copy and paste old documents that they've used previously that are just really generic and not, yeah. and not tailor them to the business. And that, that isn't really adding any value. They're not really giving you something that's operational I think it's much more important to take the approach we take which is around trying to embed a new way of working into a business yeah I think if, if you're if you're a director or a manager senior manager and you're approaching a ISO consultant to implement a standard and you're having that initial conversation and you're not coming away from having that conversation and going do you know what he's explained that 
so simple. I know exactly yeah. what he's going to do over mm-hmm. the next six six months, three months, or whatever it is. I, I've got you know I've got confidence in you know he's really shown me the journey and and the deliverables and stuff. If you mm-hmm. if you're not having that conversation, coming away feeling like that, mm-hmm. then you know mm-hmm. don't go with that consultant. I think the I think the other thing is is like sort of thinking about sort of the track record that that we've now got where we've worked together is. Ask for a reference. Mm-hmm. Ask for a reference yeah. to someone else is, is another way of doing it, isn't it? Because, um, you know, I know, for example, that if we had a company ring up today and we, we could put them in touch with a few people just to say, do you know what? You know, this is what happened. You know, they've done this, they've done that, and this is how much we're paid. And, you know, at least then you've got some level of confidence that if you, you know, you look at another reputable organisation that's already been worked with, I guess that doesn't work so much if you're giving someone a go who's sort of fairly new to it. But, um, it, it's, it's easy for us to sit back and go, do you know what? I'll speak to our old clients, they're absolutely delighted. Mm. But it, it sort of speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, you know, all about providing some sort of reassurance to. Mm to the uh, prospect but. definitely okay so what are the uh, I think you've sort of prepared a, a little bit there as well so what are the limitations around the standards what what sort of challenges have you got around sort of how they are that you, <laughs> he's scrolling like oh I'm not sure I've prepped that no no I've made, I've, I've made some notes to keep yeah. me on to keep yeah. me on form and not go off on oh. tangents but are we are we working our way through them anyway because I've not seen them yeah, are we, we actually are, are we yeah, actually yeah, working our way through them down. they're in a bit yeah. of a different order but nice. you know I am uh, is it not yeah. the order you'd have gone in mate I'm sorry are you a bit no, OCD is, no, no, no. Oh, I am okay. a little bit OCD yeah yeah definitely I think you need to be a little bit don't you I think you do yeah. So, so no problems. I think I think one of the main main problems is is this um, the ISO speak and how the standard is set out. Mm-hmm. Okay, it is reading it for the first. I remember reading it for the first time and thinking, what on earth does this mean? This mm-hmm. just means this doesn't mean anything. It's so generic. But when you it, it is generic and it's generic for a reason because they want it to fit into every different business. And it can be fit, and 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 it's open to interpretation, okay. And a good consultant will do that, and and uh, you know, it's it's it it just needs to be. You just need to use your imagination, okay. And and, and you know, clause by clause, it makes if you read it and just think about it, it makes perfect sense. All it's asking you to do is show, you know, for example define roles and responsibilities throughout, you know, in your business. All right, what's that? What's a job description? Okay, get your job description or your health and safety responsibilities. We all know what they look like. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So it's, it's things like that. Um, I think that's a major problem. Probably scares people off as mm-hmm. well. And I think mm-hmm. as well, can bad consultants kind of use this as a, you know, you don't know how to do it. Bit, bit of, of smoke and mirrors, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly that. Um, so I was going to ask you actually though, because I, I think you're right in that like bad consultants will use the sort of smoke and mirrors. But on the other hand, like I, so I was reflecting on because I've just put a proposal in actually to a client who I think is recruiting. They're recruiting someone into like a compliance quality type role into their business, and uh, the issue they've had is they've they're in they're wanting to go for. They're wanting to go for the standards, the 9,001, 14,001, and they, they think that it's going to be more cost-effective to have someone full-time do them, but potentially not someone who's already had the experience of doing them. And I've tried to make argue a case for, do you know what, it might seem a bit more expensive up front to get a consultant to do it, but actually 
you'll get something much more meaningful and that person can help support the person that you bring in to help manage it moving forward. The best way to, to describe this, right, okay, when you get a new kitchen in your house, mm-hmm. right, and you spend all that money on getting a nice new kitchen from Magnet or wherever, mm-hmm. okay, do you fit it yourself? You don't fit it yourself. <laughs> oh, I fucking you, don't. You get an ex. You, you the cooker won't fucking work, it. mate. You, you know, you get the right person to fit your kitchen, and then mm-hmm. you maintain it by, mm-hmm. you know, you might want to paint the walls after, and you might mm-hmm. want to, you know, change the handles at some point. Yeah. And you know, put your stuff in your cupboard how you want, but that's mm-hmm. you know, you don't that don't employ someone to to then put in an ISO standard that has never done it before. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to potentially spend that. You're going to spend time their, their time and, and money and you're paying for them mm-hmm. to to learn along the way on how to do it mm-hmm. potentially this is going to cost you know f- three out of five days a week for the next 12 months yeah and well the, and then my other challenge with it is is that and and this is particularly for the client that i've uh, put the proposal into they they leave before it's even happened and then you're back to absolute square one because no one that can make not much you know, rhyme nor reason from what they've actually done in the six or eight, nine months that they've been working on. Yeah, it. exactly that. And it, you know, if if a company is going to take on someone for that role, you know, then specify in the in the um, job advertisement. Okay, mm-hmm. we need you know this is what we want to do over the next twelve months. We need someone that's you know competent at doing that. They're mm-hmm. they're experienced, you know. But obviously, that's going to you know you're not looking at your your twenty eight grand a year health and safety advisor mm-hmm. you're looking at a 50 grand a year hseq senior manager yeah you know this and and, and it isn't just going to be him doing it it's going to you, you know it's going to be him plus whoever he needs help with mm-hmm. and obviously if it's free standards then you know there's going to be a lot more time than just implementing yeah, sort absolutely. of one absolutely or or looking at a consultant who can then bring in people within your team to help support you exactly that yeah. and a consultant is going to bring the expertise mm-hmm. uh, they're going to bring the the best way of doing it okay and you know that's just going to save mm-hmm. so much time and it isn't like one of the things that I've picked up on that we've been able to sort of help reduce the cost with uh, with with clients is that around things like if you don't know then You've then got the audit providers, the auditors who, um, you know, can have the wool over your eyes a little bit. There's a little bit of protection there when you've got a consultant who knows what they're doing. You know, we've had, yeah. <laughs> we've had some horror stories, haven't we? <laughs> with audit yeah, providers yeah. literally, like, you know, charging £1,100 a day and only turning up for two hours a day and wanting, yeah. like, 14 days to bloody do work. Yeah, exactly that. Or, you know, they want... They, um, it can be. It's... Eight or nine days for an audit, and then you know, if you go with a, an experienced consultant, he's going to know if he's you know, if the audit if is worth a, his weight in gold, then he'll you know, he'll know this shouldn't be an eight or nine day audit, this should mm-hmm. be a four day audit at the most, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and then we can look at other certification bodies. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's going to have a huge cost, um, cost saving there. Mm. So, mm. You know, you I was going to say the, I think that's a, a lot of the thing that people aren't aware of when they go in they sort of find an aut- a, a consultancy to help them but they don't really realise what's involved with the audit end of it and once you're with an audit body you're then looking at ongoing year each year you know you're sort of in for a penny in for a pound if they're you know nine days on the first audit and then they want 
you know the maintenance audits to be three or four days you're in when actually it could be half that potentially exactly that yeah and over the course of um your sort of three year cycle you know that's a lot of money it's a you lot know, of you're looking at 1100 pound a day yeah uh, and you're you've been sort of quoted eight day initial audit then a four day audit two more times mm-hmm. okay that's a lot of money it is isn't it um, yeah yeah, particularly so, when it could be half that, you know. Yeah, exactly that. And you know, if you're going to be saving half that money, well, then you've you've paid for your consultant already. Yeah, no, so. exactly. That's uh, that's certainly one of those things. And um, okay, nice. What what's on your list that I've forgotten to ask, mate? What have I forgotten to ask? All right, let's have a quick look. <laughs> I reckon, uh, I reckon be, we've done fair, a good well, job. I think, I think we've really covered it. Um, what, you know, one of the other problems I see is, which we touched on right at the start, was was the consultant not explaining the whole process mm-hmm. of maintenance, okay, mm-hmm. and 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 what support they that the consultant can provide. Like that, you know, you're expected to internally audit, but you know, as a small business, you don't have an internal auditor. Mm-hmm. You know, present. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to internally. What is an internal audit? What yeah. even is it? And what do you need to do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. You don't even know. So you're going to have to at least, you know, you're probably going to need one, two, three, four internal audit days from your consultant, mm-hmm. um, potentially annually, um, and 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 need a bit of sort of um, handholding throughout the sort of um, certification cycle. Um, another one I want to just touch on mm-hmm. is certification bodies and the sort of argument for UCAS registered and non-UCAS. Yeah, so that's interesting you mentioned that because it was a requirement from the DVSA that we had to have a UCAS registered. And this isn't UCAS, so those of you that have got university-age students uh, (laughs) or young people doing university, UCAS with a C is different to UCAS with a K when it comes to ISO, yeah? Yeah, exactly that. And I think... There are, you know, I'm not saying that UCAS is the um, be all and end all. Okay, there are some some rubbish um, certification bodies out there uh, that are UCAS accredited. But if you're not going with UCAS, then they're they're lying. The, the company that isn't UCAS accredited are lying to you, mm-hmm. saying that you're going to be certified ISO nine thousand and one. Mm-hmm. You're not. You're going to be. You know, and and they use, you know, I'm not going to even mention the name of the company, but they, I know for a fact that one of the directors is a lawyer and they spin, um, they've worded their website really well to Mm -hmm. convince you that you're going to be certified to ISO Mm -hmm. and you're actually not, you're not going to be certified to it. You're going to be, you know, accredited or certified to um, in their own way I can't remember how they spin it but you're not certified to ISO okay. and it's really interesting and, and, and when you look at um, like uh, like you're saying with the, the reason you got it for the DVSA mm-hmm. um, and you're looking at these sort of um, government tenders and stuff mm-hmm. like that they'll generally specify UCAS okay? yeah, but, yeah. but these smaller tenders they will just say ISO 9001 okay mm-hmm. And they tend to not check if, you know, they're not going to check this, uh, the certification. 9001 is 9001. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to be going for good tenders and, and stuff like that, yeah, then yeah. you're going to have to do UCAS because, you know, they're not... The, the, the quality of auditing is just horrendous. Like, I've, had, I've taken on jobs 
um, to to internally audit a company that ha has um, been accredited to to ISO 9001 through one of these non UCAS uh, companies, and you know I'm you know I'm just there's non conformances everywhere you know mm -hmm. everything's rubbish mm -hmm. and I don't know how they've you know they've they've not checked mm -hmm. and uh, and you know it it creates um, a bit of a sort of situation between myself and and the business owner because he's been strung along for years thinking mm -hmm. that it's suitable and it's absolutely not suitable it doesn't meet the standard at all you bad man going and upsetting going in and kicking over his milk pot i know exactly that, exactly <laughs> that. But yeah it is um it's a bit wild west out there with certification bodies it's surprising isn't it but it, from a professional a professional accreditation system but there is I guess, I guess it's one of those, there's some people that just see it as a licence to, to go and print money. Yeah, that's exactly issue, that. And it, yeah. you know, that's the same in any industry. Any mm. industry. You're gonna, mm. You've got your cowboy builders, you've got mm -hmm. your Wild West certification bodies. Yeah. You know, you've got, any industry's got them. Um, and, you know, we've, we all know horror stories of, of you know, people mm. doing a really bad job. Definitely. So forewarned is forearmed when it comes to ISO standards. Yeah. So, you know, make sure you reach out to a, to a good consultant. Nice. Like Do you us. know any? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, love it, mate. Love it. Mate, that's been uh, that's been fantastic. It's been really insightful, actually, and I've learned, learned a few things. So, um, Dan, just for the benefit of the listeners, mate, can you just sort of say, uh, like, if people want to know more, um, obviously uh, they can they can get in touch through the podcast but how do they get in touch with you direct what's your LinkedIn that kind of thing yeah so my LinkedIn is um, are you Daniel or Dan it's Daniel oh yeah, Daniel it's Dan, Daniel no Daniel. it's Dan no no actually it's Dan Griffiths on LinkedIn is it but my handle is Daniel oh right okay. you know original I thought it was you know it sounded cooler but it yeah. doesn't uh, so it's Daniel dash Griffiths dash principal compliance I think Nice. Um, and my email address is d.griffiths at principalcompliance.co.uk so yeah get in touch with me or get in touch with Pete yeah spot on mate spot on uh, appreciate you taking the time out to mate, come on the podcast mate it's yeah, yeah. Pleasure, mate. really really enjoyed it and it's your first one wasn't it yeah. didn't he do a professional job guys uh, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed it and if you have please do uh, share it um, and uh, like it and comment and join the conversation are you interested in ISO standards give me a shout uh, Dan and I be, I'd love to be able to help you out and um yeah please do please do share it freely with uh, with people and uh, and join the conversation and uh, you know like i say if you uh, if you know someone who's interested uh, then please do share it with them uh, otherwise tune in for the next one and we'll speak to you soon cheers cheers now for coming thank you mate i really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too please do share it across your social media channels we hope to reach more and help more people if you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners, and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.